Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. With the issuing of fiducia supplicans, many Catholics became aware of just the extent the hierarchy of this church has tolerated that sin that James Martin has become synonymous with. That father, James Martin, has become the most public high-profile advocate for. And if word is accurate from those who have been to his conferences that he's given privately, that he advocates for the church completely changing her teachings on, including for embracing the parody of holy matrimony that the secular world has implemented. We saw just recently Father James Martin go to Ireland to meet with the bishops of that country in secret, at least until after the meeting was over, in which case James Martin told the whole world with photographs of his trip there and plainly told everybody that he was there meeting with the bishops. So he didn't say why he was meeting with them. And as I explained to you in a recent live stream on this, James Martin went there to help them implement fiducia supplicants. Remember that James Martin was the one who blessed the double S type couples publicly the day after the document was issued. The issuing of that document made very Catholics very aware of how widespread this problem is in the church, or at least gave people an idea that it was a much bigger problem than we had been originally led to believe. The, what the reality of the situation is that for decades, 40 years or more, probably closer to 60 years, the church has had a very real problem with men morally unfit for the priesthood being not only in the priesthood, but also in the hierarchy. With some whispers that some even pontiffs have been in the recent decades. I'll let you, leave you to decide if that's the case or not. So now we revisit what Father Malachi Martin had to say on this. He had to say so much on this subject that I'll actually have to do multiple videos on this. So today, Father Martin tried to warn us about fiducia supplicants. How did we get here? Let's turn to Father Malachi Martin for the answer to that. First, we turn to his book, The Keys of This Blood. This is a quote from that book. If the requests of the third secret were denied, the chastisements would follow as surely as night follows day. The country that was to be consecrated would spread its errors throughout all nations. Many millions would, no, would not survive. The practice of religion and the profession of true faith would diminish to a shadow of what they were. Widespread corruption would infect the church's clergy and laity. Therefore, the fateful timetable of spiritual and physical chastisements was locked into place. And, in that August of 1981 was running full tilt. The Roman Catholic Church and the Society of Nations were now operating under the sign of that dire or proffered in the Fatima message. John Paul needed no one to tell him the initial results of Pope John XXIII's refusal of those requests of Mary. Already, whole sections of the church in France, Austria, Holland, Germany, Spain, England, Canada, the United States, and Latin America had precisely fallen into unfaith. There subsisted only a faithful remnant of practicing Catholics. His own Vatican Chancery and the chanceries throughout the Church were in the hands of anti-Church partisans. Heresy and grave error resided in the seminaries. An intricate and self-protective network of actively James Martin priests, nuns, bishops, and some cardinals now throttled all attempts to reform morals. Artificial barriers to 
being fruitful and multiplying was advocated explicitly or implicitly by, by a plurality of bishops, and the Moloch ritual, together with divorce, was connived at. A Swiss bishop went on television with a valise in hand and opened it, cascading thousands of rubber devices before the eyes of viewers. This, he said, is the answer to there being too many people and to the affliction popular in the 1980s. Most frighteningly for John Paul, he had come up against the irremovable presence of a malign strength in his own Vatican and in certain bishops' chanceries. It was what knowledgeable churchmen called the superforce. Rumors, always difficult to verify, tied its installation to the beginning of Pope Paul VI's reign in 1963. Indeed, Paul had alluded somberly to the smoke of Satan which has entered the sanctuary, an oblique reference to an enthronement ceremony by Satanists in the Vatican. Besides, the incidence of satanic Ted McCarrick problems, rites, and practices was already documented under among certain bishops and priests as widely dispersed as Turin in Italy and South Carolina in the United States. The secret acts of the Ted McCarrick problems of a satanic variation are considered by professionals to be the culmination of the fallen angel archangel's rites. No, John Paul needed no one to tell him the Fatima Titan table was running in vigor. He is alluding there to what happened at the beginning of Windswept House, which he has said was real. And a young woman did come forward in the 1990s who said that she was the person there and that she had told Malachi Martin about that, which he himself confirmed later. She then, characteristic of someone who actually had bad things done to her of a really terrible nature that she tried to walk away from, didn't speak publicly about it again. She sought no fame, no fortune, no access, no nothing. She just confirmed the story and then went about her life. The James Martin sin is central to the practice of the diabolical in all of this and into the practice of actual satanic rites. And now we see Malachi Martin return to this in a talk he gave called Peter in Chains, which you can get from Bernard Jansen for, through his website. He talks about this in the context of what we call around here the James Martin sin in the priesthood. Given in 1993, after Keys of This Blood was written. Why doesn't he, John Paul II, fire the archbishops who are either James Martin types or tolerate it in the churches? Why doesn't he remove seminarians or not allow them to be ordained who are active in that life? Because it's going on in the New York archdiocese. It's going on in several archdioceses throughout Canada and the United States. Actively known, known as James Martin types are ordained every year, every year. And at the same time, we have the toll in the list of Ted McCarrick type priests who are taken to court by parents and those whom they have done bad things to. But still, this crazy policy goes on. This anti-Catholic policy goes on. Why doesn't he, John Paul II, stop all that? And then they say Father Charlie Curran or Richard McBrien, these known heretics, why doesn't he simply take wipe them out, priestly wise? Why doesn't he declare them non-viable? Remember, Charlie Curran has faculties. He's a priest in good standing for the Diocese of Rochester with Bishop Clark. What sort of bishop would permit that? A man like Charlie Curran who permits the James Martin sin, the something even the seemingly even worse involving animals, divorce, the private sin Pius XII called, anything you like. And he's a priest in good standing. Come on, Bishop Clark of Rochester, get up and defend yourself before Christ and his angels. How dare he do that? But he's not the only one. Why doesn't the Pope scour our seminaries? 
because as of 1978, actually October 16th, when he was elected Pope, he knew it was like this already. Remember, we'd had two popes, John the 23rd and Paul the 6th, who had initiated this new conciliar church. Faith has died out, and let me give you an example. If I'm a priest and I minister to a church, and I distribute Holy Communion, and I have a mass for James Martin types, who seem to be very good people, very respectable citizens, but I know that the night before they do things to each other, and they're going to do that to the following afternoon and following morning, and I give them the body and blood of our Lord in communion, do I really believe it's the body and blood of our Lord? No, I can't. He continued this line of thinking in another talk with Bernard Jansen the next year, 1994, The Shoes of a Fisherman. Another thing which illustrates the confusion or the or the weakness of the Pope with regards to his church is the James Martin sin. You can be sure that already for seven years we have filled his ears with audio and filled his eyes with videos and his cabinet with reports. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows the amount of the James Martin activity among the clergy. He knows the cardinals who are of the James Martin type. He knows the cardinals who follow Satan and who are like Ted McCarrick and the bishops and priests. He knows all that, but the difficulty is that they have entered the church. They are clergy. And for instance, there is no seminary today that I know of in the United States which doesn't ask a young man who wants to enter the seminary, what do you think of the James Martin sin? If he says, I don't want it, I don't like it, I condemn it, he is sent away as pastorally insensitive. Because there are James Martin types in charge. They've been they've hiding all of this for years, shifting their men around once they're discovered. Now they don't want to be without James Martin types. And the Cardinal of New York recently ordained three active types of that. What are you to make of a thing like that? And the present Cardinal of New York, it's public knowledge, defended the right of active James Martin types to hold a blasphemous mass and receive communion blasphemously. He said they have a perfect right to this. If you shouldn't disturb that, you shouldn't disturb them. What sort of mentality is that? It's a mentality which says the James Martin program is in the church. We will not disturb it because there are James Martin types in the church. This line of reasoning continues in his 1995 interview with Bernard Jansen called The Deserted Vineyard. The bishops who are not interested in having a plethora of vocations, the normal bishops, there are bishops who are. There are very good bishops. We have four or five bishops in the United States who are very good in this matter of vocations and seminary training. But that's four or five out of 180. And consequently, we are no longer getting vocations. And then we have this affliction of the James Martin sin in the seminaries. And they're not wiping that out because some of them are of that type anyway. They don't see what's wrong with it except an ancient fuddy-duddy superstition of the church against the sin in question instead of being modern-minded. This is the attitude they have to it. We have two institutes in the United States. I was just dealing with, I can't mention any names, but there's a Midwest diocese where this young priest called me up and said his bishop had called him in and said, look, you don't fit in very well. People find you too stiff and your sermons are very harsh. You speak about the Moloch ritual and artificial barriers to having kids and the James Martin sin and things like that. And you threaten them and menace them. You make them unhappy. I want to suggest that you go to a certain institute and undergo a certain kind of mental assessment. This priest rang me and several others and canon lawyers and they said, look, he's going to turn you into a zombie because that's what they do. You go into these two institutes, both on the East Coast and one down South, and you have a sort of uh, medical treatment. They give you 
they give you prescriptions and calm you down and talk about your life of the flesh and ask if you are a James Martin type or if you conform to the law of God. You come out of it completely drained. You come out of it a zombie, a real zombie if you go there. This is so common nowadays. I have 42 priests who I know personally, some of them I supported, who refused. What were their offenses? Well, they promoted the Blessed Sacrament. They had devotion to Padre Pio. They used novenas. They preached about the Passion. They preached against the James Martin sin. They preached against those artificial barriers to being fruitful and multiplying. They preached against annulments and divorce. I want to address one case. Father Anthony Chipola, who was accused unjustly, as we found out by a well-known James Martin type, as having had in, uh, done activities with him. The same young man also accused the Bishop of Pittsburgh, Archbishop Donald Whirl, known to his friends as Donna Whirl, by the way. Chipola got a lawyer. The case went before a trial. He was exonerated completely. And yet his bishop, Archbishop Whirl, insisted that he go for one of these analyses. He went for one analysis that was completely exonerated, completely cleared. And they said this man is neither a James Martin type nor, some, nor a lecher. He was a good priest who's been accused. But no, Archbishop Whirl wants to break this man in two and make sure he goes to into a certain kind of analysis center and become a zombie. This man is refused, and everywhere this man goes, Archbishop writes letters warning everybody not to touch him, not to give him any work, meaning not to incarnate him as a priest. And it's, it's a form of persecution. Finally, the man appealed to Rome, to the Signatura, and the Signatura ruled in his favor. Then the Archbishop went to Rome and spoke to some people there. We think he corrupted them. We don't know. The result is the Signatura turned against this priest. So now we're going back for another round of terms, and it's going on seven years now. And it's cost the young priest every bit of money he's had, and he's living hand to mouth. His name was Father Cipolla. What Father Malachi Martin outlined there was the institutionalization of the James Martin sin in the hierarchy. It was only a matter of time until we got a fiducia supplicants. Only a matter of time until we got this sin being attempted to be made normal. Only a matter of time before we saw James Martin, the successor of some of those priests mentioned early in this video, meeting with the bishops of entire countries to make that sin normal in the life of the church. You know that James Martin has a position in the Roman Curia, right? He's an advisor to the Vatican's Dicastery for Communications. Something to keep in mind there. He has powerful connections. Everything he said here, that Father Malachi Martin here said about John Paul II being unable to do anything, the situation in Rome is worse now. It had been known that the Jesuits, men like uh, James Martin, were working throughout the Roman Curia and were the instrument for this control of the papacy before Francis. How much worse do you think it is now? This is why I say a moderate pope isn't what you need, or even a conservative-leaning pope to fix this. You need someone who is will willing to, a, a traditionalist pope who is willing to earn the red crown of martyrs, if need be, to liberate the church. That is what is needed. I'm curious what you think about this, so let me know in the comments. I'm going to be doing a follow-up to this in the near future, because probably during Lent at some point, because quite frankly... I don't think we'll be done talking about fiducia supplicants and the implications of that for the church. But let me know what you think about this in the comments, please. And hit like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. So to sharing this on social media, that helps too. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.